0: Hello and welcome to the Christ Church Podcast. My name is Grant Caldwell. and this Lenten and Easter season, I'll be joined each week by other pastors on staff as we reflect on New Life Rising, a new devotional by Christianity Today that we'll be reading together churchwide. In this podcast, we'll do as the book's introduction invites us to do, journey through the somber season of Lent, into the dark depths of Good Friday, and out into the marvelous light to Easter and the resurrection of Jesus Christ will be led through the landscape of Jesus's homeland and the journey he walks through times of confusion, despair, and hope, and into everlasting joy. On today's show, we'll be looking at the second chapter in New Life Rising entitled Against the Linton Frenzy. Joining me today is Brother Chris Carter, executive pastor. Brother Chris, welcome. Thank you,
1: Grant. It's a joy to be here today.
0: Glad to have you here. Brother Chris, first things first, you have an incredible depth of wisdom. I feel like when you speak, our congregation just knows and trusts you, and so we have to know this when it comes to Easter. What is your opinion on peeps?
1: I heard you ask Pastor Jackie that, and I don't have an opinion on that.
0: Really? So you're neutral on the peeps, I, not I, good or bad?
1: Grant, I'll be honest with you. I will have to be confessional. I didn't even know what you were talking about. Oh, so sorry, and you can edit that out of the talk if you want. No, no, no. This <laughs> This is great.
0: So we've learned in week two that someone <laughs> needs to get Brother Chris some peeps. If you're a peep fan, we have a pastor here that has never tried them. Didn't even know what it was. So there we go. So the opinion is inconclusive this week on peeps. We will see next week if we have a taker on our staff. Okay, so our second devotional in New Life Rising was another incredible one. It is entitled Against the Linton Frenzy. It was a reflected discussion based on Psalm 51 and just the role of worship and ministry and this juxtaposition of Easter and Lent and highs and lows and all of the things in between. And so, Brother Chris, this devotion really shared this pastor's heart about the tension he feels between the busyness of church life in this season and the slow, reflective pace that Lent calls us towards. Have you felt this tension in your time in ministry?
1: Pastor Grant, I have so many times, probably more times than not, but the title of this devotional, Against the Lenten Frenzy, I thought a little bit about what the word frenzy means, and when I looked it up, it referred to hysteria or to mania or to madness, and I thought it was sort of ironic that the majority of the Lenten season is, actually occurs during March Madness. And for those of us who are basketball fans, we know that there's a wildness and a craziness to March Madness. And it's exciting. It's an adventure. You never know who's going to win a game. Things can happen that are totally unexpected and a complete surprise. But I thought that's all going on in our culture while at the same time we're trying to slow down and prepare our hearts for Easter by remembering the cross and not bypassing the season of preparation that our hearts really need to fully embrace and experience joy when it comes on Easter Sunday morning. So the tension, I have definitely felt the tension in my life in ministry during the season of Lent. Ministry is a marathon, but a lot of times we try as pastors to live at the speed of light and it usually doesn't end well for us in that regard. I think it was Warren Wearsby who actually said that ministry is not a manufacturing plant. We are not manufacturers of ministry. We are only distributors, and we can only distribute what we've received from the Lord. So that means that we need to be much with the Lord, particularly during Lent, during the probably one of the busiest seasons of the year. It's certainly the Super Bowl of the Christian calendar and liturgy, but we know that we need to fill our hearts before we can actually distribute things of God to other people. I think there's a tendency in ministry to think that to be successful, we have to be frantic. We always have to be active and busy. And I'm reminded that the essence of living by faith, really the essence of trust in Christ, is really not about our frantic activity, but it's about God's faithful activity on our behalf So the more we can get with God and remember that we are simply channels for Him to dispense His grace into our hearts so that we can distribute that with the help of the Holy Spirit, then we understand it's really more about what God's doing in us and through us than it is all of our busyness and our efforts. I think sometimes our efforts to fill our insecurities That we feel like we have to produce all the time. And I don't think that's really where God wants us to be. He doesn't want our mindset to be there.
0: I agree. I think that piece that you just mentioned, this desire to produce, feeds this frenzy. Mm -hmm. Our minds are so wired towards... As things ramp up, I have to do more, and I have to achieve more, and I have to. Right, it, it just kind of ramps up and ramps up and ramps up. And he even mentioned this. It even makes sense that way with the March Madness that everything's at its peak. Spring yes. is here. Oh, things are coming. Graduations, back to life. weddings, and yeah. He asked the question, why burden the beginning of their annual race with the heaviness of sustained introspection? Why ground the momentum of early spring with difficult contemplation and risks spoiling this party in April? And so you ask it that way. It does make you go, wait a minute. Why are we doing this? And then you reflect further on what Lent is doing and what it's preparing in us. And it really does teaches a lot about what we're called to do as Christ followers is not to achieve, but to pause and reflect on the grace given to You're us. You're right.
1: I think it's interesting that, that we're called believers, not achievers. Now, we want to achieve, but when we focus on the achieving part, then it becomes about us rather than about the Lord. And it really reveals or exposes our lack of trust in the Lord. And I think that's why we get frantically active, thinking that the pressure is on us. I love what the author says on page 15. He defines Lent as a chance to let false gods die so that Christ might rise high in us. And I think one of the false gods that we can really Began to worship in our lives as ministers and pastors is this false idea of success. And I think we're plagued by the success syndrome rather than understanding that the Bible never even mentions the word success. It mentions the word fruitfulness. And the only way that we can be distributors is to abide in Christ, and that fruit flows out of our relationship with Him. So, in a sense, the preparation of Lent really is. God calling us back to His heart and away from those idols that we deal with in our lives. Yeah, absolutely. I really do believe that even Jesus felt the tension of ministry. Yeah. I know in His mind, He wasn't dealing with Lent, season of the church year, but He was p- constantly being pulled on by people and... For those of us who are in ministry today, we're pulled on by people, and then we feel this pressure to produce programs that give life, and we all know the reality of that kind of busyness. But I think Elijah felt that tension in ministry as he was really at his breaking point several times. And I know I've been there before. You're trying to juggle all of these different things, and it really takes some intentionality to stop and evaluate, what about what I'm doing right now is really kingdom work, yeah. Or is this about my insecurity to produce mm-hmm. so that yeah. I can look good as a pastor? Because people Absolutely. expect certain things and churches Absolutely. expect certain things. So, Absolutely. But if we as pastors, if we don't have a deeper life, then we're the model for our people. And we never slow down and we never admit that we're struggling with this tension. Then my fear is that our people won't grow any higher than what we're able to grow.
0: Absolutely. And because I have to remember that we're having this conversation as two pastors, and we can say success isn't there. We're looking for fruitfulness. But in business contexts, other contexts, success is for many of our listeners year and Salaries are tied to sales goals, and teachers have things that are tied to evaluations and metrics that they're receiving from leadership. What does it look like for a Christ follower to slow down in the midst of all this busyness. How can someone find peace in the midst of this striving that we all seem to be doing? You mentioned this dynamic of always feeling like we're juggling things yeah. and trying to keep things up. And I know as we're in this season right now of Lent, many of us are likely listening to this while kids are playing in another part of the house or we're driving to work and our mind's also on what we have to do at the same time or we're multitasking in some way. So uh, brothers, what is- peace and stillness and slowing down really look
1: like in the midst of a crazy day or life season? Well, I think just the question is worth a lot to actually ask that question in the middle of how we live because most of us are a lot more comfortable zipping around than we are sipping. Yep. And we're not comfortable slowing down or creeping along. We're addicted to the momentum of life and to the speed of life. And so I think the first step for me usually is to remind myself that if we slow down, God is still working. Because a lot of times we think if we slow down, nothing is happening. But there again, that goes back to our frantic activity rather than really leaning into God's faithful activity on our behalf, that God is always working. And sometimes He's working even more when nothing seems to be happening. I remember one writer saying that a sure mark of genuine spiritual growth is learning to love the ordinary days of our lives when nothing seems to be happening. And so for me, I think learning to resist the temptation to constantly be on the go. And I think there are a lot of benefits to resisting speed in our lives. There is a connection, I think, between speed and health. If we don't slow down, then I think that our health, spiritual health and physical health, but most of all our awareness, will suffer because I was thinking about the benefits that there are to slowing down. And I've thought about this actually all winter as well. And it seems like when I slow down, I am actually reminded that there's so many things that are beyond my control, and that reminds me of how much I need God's help and His rescue even in my life, that there's some things I'm not meant to control. And it's just a good reminder when you slow down that we're not called to control outcomes. We're called to trust in the Lord. And then He brings our hearts back to a place of rest where we're really centered and not fragmented all the time. I think slowing down is such a grace to us. It's a means of grace because it helps us pay attention. It's hard to pay attention when you're moving fast all the time. Another is that when you slow down, it has a way of stripping you of distractions because we live in a world of mass destruction, but probably even more than that, we live in a world of mass distraction where we are almost numb because we've been going so fast and so hard. I need a life. Lynn is one of those times where I think God really does want to strip us of distractions and show us how to pay attention to the real needs of our heart and to look at Him as He's the only one that can save and can heal and transform and help us. And as pastors, we've got to point people to the Lord and not just to us and what we're not doing or what we are doing. The other thing that's fascinating to me is that Lent is an opportunity that forces us to be honest about what's inside of ourselves. So when we slow down, we ask the questions about, what am I feeling right now? What are those false gods? What are the emotions that I have right now that I really need to take to the cross that I can't work through on my own? And well, the thing
0: is that busyness and distraction are a good way to not ask those tough questions. They really are. That when I'm going fast or if I'm distracted by something, then I can ignore those questions and just pretend that those false gods just aren't really there. Like we can You just are pretend. so right,
1: and I think you're nailing it because I think our resistance to slowing down is really a way, it's a coping mechanism that tries to push back the pain that we have in our lives without facing it it's like we we don't have we can't face this so we're gonna push it back And it's really a way to avoid dealing with how unmanageable our lives become when they're not centered in Christ.
0: This lifestyle, he describes it as being strange and countercultural. He says on page 14, it's the strangeness of Lent, its stubborn slowness amid the year's fresh rush of activity, its invitation to confession when pride and faith and self are at their highest, that makes it so powerful and potentially so resonant in both the culture we're trying to reach and the culture we're fostering in our congregations. For the Christ follower, living in a culture of busyness, how can we show this strangeness of stubborn slowness to the world around
1: us? I know that question's related to the other, but for me, Grant, I know that I have slowed down in my life when there's a desire in my heart to love again to really love God and love people. So to me, to slow down is to resist the culture, and it's to heed God's call to love again deeply in our lives. And I think sometimes we can go through the motions and yet forget the motivation of love. That's really why we're doing what we're doing as ministers, as believers. And I think also Lent is an opportunity. It provides us with a chance to, as the author said, to rekindle a first love again. Absolutely. And I love that quote because it is to heed God's call to love God deeply and to love people again deeply and to see their value. I think it was Brother Lawrence of the Resurrection that said too that if our goal is not to love God every day, then we've wasted a day. Lent calls us back to that first love.
0: That's so good. Because again, distraction and busyness, it's hard to love someone when you're distracted and busy. It sure is. It's hard to slow down enough to be with someone and show that care and love when you're rushing on to the next thing. And I think what this devotion really calls us to this week is to make sure we don't do that corporately as a church this season. That in our busyness and frenzy of getting to Easter... We don't neglect our first love of each other and of the cross and of the season that we're in that we're walking slowly and intentionally towards. The guiding question, Brother Chris, is just asking, what does make a successful worship gathering? He says it's one where Jesus is clearly presented, enjoyed, thanked, Praised, and where all the hungry find rest at the table. Is there anything that you would add to this? What do you feel like makes a successful worship gathering?
1: Well, I love his definition there. I think all the things that he mentions are so important in understanding what it means to come together and worship. and And I think when we look at Lent as a see, the cross is the major symbol of Lent. And so when I think of Jesus' invitation to us that to come to Him, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest, that is the goal, is to be at rest, to be at peace with God as we love Him and as we offer our lives to Him. But I think there are other things that he didn't... You can't mention everything when you're trying to give a definition, but I think of Lent as it's a time to give God space in our lives. And I think when we come into the sacred worship space together as worshipers, then we want to worship God in a way where our hearts express to Him in a humble but delightful sense that we love Him. So there, to me, the worship, a successful, fruitful worship gathering would be about all that we would actually be admiring god in a way that provokes all and that we would be captured by the wonder of who god is and that god would grant us the grace to love him to really express that to adore him in that moment he is our life and he is that relationship we have with him is the greatest reward in our lives so Lent's just that time where god realigns us and focuses us And I think He gives us a supernatural capacity through the Holy Spirit to surrender and to confess. And in that process, He cleans us so that we can have a clean heart and a renewed mind. And our ministry doesn't have to be frantic or our Christian life. It can be focused and it can be fruitful because God is living through our hearts.
0: Amen. Brother Chris, for the listener of this podcast that's sitting here and is feeling the frenzy in their life, And then hearing you describe this countercultural way of making space for awe and wonder and beauty and seeing the glory of the Lord. How can someone make space for that this week to prepare their hearts for worship on Sunday?
1: I really appreciate you asking that. I think one of the highlights of my time at Christ Church was yesterday someone came to see me, and their question for me, and I've never met with this person one-on-one, but their question was, Brother Chris, all this talk about prayer, and all this talk about the Holy Spirit, I want more of God. How do I get that? And then this person actually shared with me that he felt like God was speaking to him, and what God was saying was, spend time with me. Make it happen. So I encouraged him to, and he said the Lord was speaking to him to do it in the morning. He's never had that pattern before, and he's 31 years old. And he said, I want to give God that time, but I'm struggling to get up. I fight sleep. And he said, but I know I need to do it in his case. He said, I really need to do it in the morning. And so I encouraged him. I said, brother, prepare for that fellowship with God the night before. Create your space, visualize your time with God, and then remember that God always starts where you are. No matter how insufficient or how much you lack in your life, God always starts where we are. So just get with Him and cry out to Him and listen to Him and know that He's with you when you want to be with Him.
0: Amen. Brother Chris, thank you so much for joining us for this podcast and thank you for all that you've shared.
1: Thank you Pastor Grant. Can I read a verse to close with? Absolutely. Isaiah 30:15 and this is sort of my life verse. It's not always my life practice. Sometimes I have to resolve again to practice things that I thought I had resolved before, but this is such a powerful verse, Isaiah 30:15. This is what the sovereign Lord says. In repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength, but you would have none of it. And I think as we walk through this Lenten season, we want to have willing hearts to go God's way because God's way works. And God works in us when we go God's way. And He frees us from ourselves and helps us to be fully alive.
0: Thanks, Brother Chris. And thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of New Life Rising. Next week, we'll be back with a new guest looking at the third chapter, the ever-present Memento Mori. Until then, we'll get Brother Chris some peeps so that he can try them. And we invite you to take up and read church. We'll see you then.